0: Hey there, fitness friends, anxiety warriors, mental health champions. Welcome to 40,000 Steps Radio. I'm your host, Christopher Heimerman, and I am not a licensed healthcare professional, not a doctor, not a counselor, not a former NFL star. No, I'm a guy with 1,050 days of sobriety, and I'm a guy with the gumption to put his story out there. I do have a former NFL star on the podcast for this episode. It's Joe Barksdale. Perhaps more notably, Joe is a professional musician, and he is a wide-ass open book when it comes to his mental health struggles. So very grateful to him for joining me and I'm grateful to have all of you along for the run. I am looking out the window and it is a beautiful day for us to get our 40,000 steps in. So let's get it. Bright ass neon sign, bat signal, sound the alarms, trigger warning. In this episode, we are going to talk about suicidal ideations. In fact, my guest, Joe Barksdale, is going to speak very frankly about the fact that every morning he wakes up and the first thing on his mind is taking his own life. This might seem a little bit ironic that I can't stand small talk. I'm repulsed by it. I don't I don't want to talk about the weather. I don't want to talk about what your kids are up to in school. Sometimes I don't even want to talk about what my kids are up to in school, unless it has some depth to it. I need depth in my conversations and my relationships. We get real deep with Joe Barksdale. For some background, Joe played in the NFL. Joe was a member of the LSU 2008 national champion football team. Joe grew up in an abusive household. He is on the autism spectrum. He has struggled with depression for as long as he can remember. And he's here to talk about all of it in frank, genuine, authentic fashion. All right, before we get into this, I need to say a few words, got to drop in a few words here about a partner of the podcast, Lynn Health. More than 34 million Americans have multiple chronic conditions. That's one in 10 of us. And it can be a real struggle to get to the right appointments and treatments. Lynn Health is human centric healthcare created specifically for people with multiple chronic conditions. And here's what I love Lynn Health puts an emphasis on behavioral health. That means for people like me in long term recovery and who battle mental illness, Lynn Health connects me with the resources that I need for counseling and psychiatry. Lynn Health will help you find a specialist, get you to your appointment, manage your medications, and deal with your insurance company. How nice is that? If you're an employer, Lynn provides a benefit that your employees and members deserve. They can also help you save costs. Do I have your attention now? Everything that Lynn does is designed with love, empathy, and compassion. Lynn is on your side, at your side, as a friend. So visit lynhealth.io to find out how Lynn Health can help you. All right, gang, you ready for this? Hope your brains are insured because this conversation is gonna blow your mind. This is me chatting with who is now a dear, dear friend, Joe Barksdale. Hey, Joe feels like an appropriate greeting given that Jimi Hendrix is such a big hero of yours. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> so, man, you've got a, you've got a fifth album coming out this. I mean, you dropped four albums last year. A dis- five. five. Five?
1: Okay, there was a Star Wars tribute album too. That's right. Hyper tapes. Yeah.
0: So, does music just fall out of you, or what? Or is this stuff you've had kind of in the hopper for a while?
1: No, if, I mean, I won't say it falls out, but um, my. Process, uh, my creation process is uh I never like want to hold on to stuff. So if it's something that I'm not using personally, I'm usually using it to produce somebody else. But yeah, I look at my music as like a snapshot of where, I, where I'm at at a certain time. Mm-hmm. So like the 52-week project, that took probably about a month <laughs> from start to finish.
0: Oh, um, wow. But it's yeah. called the 52-week project.
1: Yeah, it's the uh, it's the it's the four albums that dropped last year. Uh, Omari. uh, Marshall, Pence and Walton
0: on the significance there. Yeah, these are the the middle names of
1: my heroes of some of my heroes. Yeah, Kanye West, George Lucas, uh, Jimi Hendrix and Marvin Gaye, not just heroes, but also my biggest artistic influences as well.
0: Now one of these things is not like the other
1: George. Lucas,
0: As far as I know, George Lucas not a prolific musician. Mm-mm. Where does that come from?
1: So I say that they influenced my art. Like they like not just, they did influence the music. George Lucas was a combination of, um, you know, me loving to go to the movies, but in particular Star Wars, but as you can see, it's like all these lightsabers over here. There's <laughs> another bunch of lightsabers over here. There's even more lightsabers. <laughs> I I believe you. <laughs> and these are good lightsabers too. Like. You know, oh, this isn't your target
0: half off lightsaber.
1: Yeah, no, these are (laughs) so from the like, the sci fi feel of my song or some of my songs and stuff like that, that comes directly from like, you know, Star Wars and Dune stuff like that.
0: So let's go down the rabbit hole a little bit. Where does this where does this Star Wars love come from? And where are you in terms of being a purist? Because I'll show my cards. I love Rogue One.
2: Mm-hmm. I
0: love that raw feel. And I love Han, I love Solo because it, it's just far and away, it's the most fun Star Wars movie. It's just fun from start to finish. Mm-hmm. So where's it, where was your Star Wars love born?
1: From autism, apparently. Every autistic person I met, we're both always just bonding over Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> I'm starting to think that there's a correlation, but um, it, from the first time I saw it, and I mean, I saw, I think A New Hope was the first uh, movie I saw from Star Wars or the first Star Wars media. And it was just something I'd never seen before. I had so many questions, even in the things that they didn't even talk about, or, you know, um, the things that are being answered now with prequels and TV shows and so forth. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was you know, it was fantastic. I was able to figure out what was going on. You know, they started right with the action and I mean started writing the story. There was no, you know, fifteen minutes of uh of intro and you know, that kind of thing. Um, but the thing I'm really into when it comes to Star Wars are definitely like the Sith and the Jedi. Uh so like anything involving Sith and Jedi, I've seen. I'm not saying I've seen it and loved it, but I'm saying I've seen it. <laughs> um <laughs> And when it comes to Star Wars in general, to me, it's just one big story. So, uh, you know, whether, you know, oh, this is the greatest movie ever, or like, oh, this sucked, or anything in between, um, it's all cool to me because it adds to the story.
0: Well, and as it goes along, we get all of, like, the origin stories, right? Mm -hmm. We get that background after the fact, which is really, it's really brilliant on Mm -hmm. the part of George Lucas and everybody else who's worked on these things. I mean, let's... Let's, uh, let's, I mean, let's talk about your origin story for a minute. Have you been writing music since, since you were a little kid or what?
1: No, uh, I did used to want to be a rapper when I, when I was in like middle school (laughs) and high school. Um, but that got me more into like poetry than writing music, you know? Um, but yeah, no, I, I started, uh, the first song I made was whatever the first song I wrote for that first album was, but yeah, no, I started making music um in this fashion six years ago
0: wow and look at your catalog yeah (laughs) where now i I get i get a lot of the influences in there i hear it i there's also some modern stuff like i get kind of an avalanches vibe from some of your stuff too um
1: i I don't know know who avalanches are
0: Avalanche is, you know, they've been around for a while. They put out an album called Wildflowers a couple of years ago. I bet you'd love it.
1: Okay, I'll write that down.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, they use a lot of spoken word in their stuff, kind of like you do. And so often the vocals are treated as, you know, there's some sampling and where the vocals are treated really as an instrument within the sound.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, with a couple of the songs that you've released recently, with alone and I need love. Do I have those titles, right? Mm -hmm. Your voice is coming to the front. What, what brought us to there?
1: So people had a lot of questions about me as an artist. um, And a lot of them tended to overlap. So I wanted to answer those questions artistically as opposed to just, I did answer them in person too, but I wanted to answer them artistically, you know, Mm -hmm. like, who are some of your influences? What, what things are important to you? Why do you do this? What's your story? That kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So I wrote out a script and originally I was going to read the script, but because it was so vulnerable and emotional, I felt like the average listener would be more receptive to hearing like a female talk about it as opposed to someone with my voice, you know, those same stories with my voice man you know my feelings were Shut. get over it man (laughs) you know what i mean um so i thought
0: there's some stuff to unpack there isn't there
1: yeah uh there always is but um (laughs) and we can but yeah that was the that was the thought process behind that like um and this this album yours truly that's coming up uh same actress is playing me but i'm taking it a step further now she's acting out my internal dialogue mm. um and then uh so yeah so that's that that's what that's about i wrote everything that she said um but obviously her name is mia davis mm-hmm. um when we went to high school together fantastic actress fantastic person and she captured the essence of how i wanted to say everything perfectly so
0: wow. yeah So she's, she's, uh, you know, the vehicle of what you have to say. Mm -hmm. And I I mean, so that, that was kind of a, was that kind of a calculated decision from the perspective of the consumer of the music to, because I think what you were saying before is it makes it a little bit more palatable Mm -hmm. given, given what, given the the tenderness of the content and Mm -hmm. some of the deep stuff you get into some of the emotional stuff. Yeah.
1: Like, you know, and I, um, because I do talk about, my life, obviously, and things like that. But my thought was from an artistic standpoint, I wanted someone who sounds more like how I feel. Mm -hmm. You know, like my voice is real deep, I'm six, five, whatever, but like, I don't feel (laughs) like I look, like I feel like a small child most of the time, you know? Yeah, right. And I wasn't gonna get a small child to read all that, uh, (laughs) all that information. (laughs) like oh, my dad died. well, that's the most emo child ever. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so i I thought that it would be you know it was it was more of a and I love me as voice, so it was one, I love me as voice and two, I'm looking for a voice that's not mine now nah, yeah. that that being said, it will eventually become my voice, like mm-hmm. I'm thinking the album that comes out after the album that's coming out this year it probably will be my voice because um that's the direction it's headed in, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now we're talking about some serious George
0: Lucas stuff that you're not just thinking about this album. You're thinking of the anthology.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. I already have it. I already yeah. have it written in together. Like it's, it's, in, uh, not, it's not ready to drop, but like the it's song- in the,
0: It's in the beta phase.
1: <laughs> yeah. All the songs and everything are together. It's going to be a mental health album. Um, it's going to be a concept album that revolves around a meeting with me and my therapist, and I want to use me and my therapist's voice in the when- interview. So, when did you find this therapist? when did you
0: uh, When did you take that step?
1: two thousand I've met with therapists all the way since back in college, like mm-hmm. off and on, you know people seeing things like, "Hey, maybe me with Dr so- and- so you know <laughs> I just never wanted to accept what the therapist was saying. Um, therapists I have now I've been working with her since probably two thousand sixteen mm-hmm. uh, um, so yeah. Since 2016, yeah. now, now she was she. I, I always have to say she wasn't my first therapist. Yeah. I don't need people thinking that I just picked one and it was great. She's actually like my sixth or seventh. So
0: that's good. That's yeah. good. You know, you got to shop around, right? It's it's yeah. like finding the love of your life. It's 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 a matter of finding somebody who clicks with you as much as you click with them. I love that.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, when I got the the release from your people, it was football front and center it was joe barksdale former nfl star former college star uh uh, uh, national champion starting uh for the lsu tigers joe barksdale you uh sports isn't your thing but it was a vehicle for you as a kid because like you said you're tall you know built like a truck built like a truck and for you it was uh for you it was You were what like 13 and it was summertime and it was it was an activity that was available for you
1: yeah i got kicked out of engineering camp Um, (laughs)
0: how'd that happen
1: uh there was a so i said i'm on the spectrum right yeah okay this kid asked a question he was being he was trying to be funny but in my mind i didn't get the joke and i thought he was just asking a stupid question so in my head i'm like you know people that ask those kind of dumb questions should be slapped so i slapped (laughs) him. He started kicking over chairs, flipping tables over, and we both got kicked out. So, oh,
0: so it wasn't just the instigator. You guys both got sent, not just sent to the penalty box. There was an ejection of both of you.
1: Yeah, we got sent home. And that was the first that was the second day of the camp.
0: <laughs> so did you did it click in your mind that it's like, okay, I acted out, you know, physically. Maybe I could use this on the football field.
1: No. <laughs> My thoughts were why did I do that? Mm. You know what I mean? Like, why? Why did I do that? I don't, I don't understand myself. I don't understand myself or like my emotions or feelings. Sometimes I don't understand why I do certain things. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I was just more confused. And my mom was telling me I needed something to do. I wasn't just gonna stay in the house last summer. So uh, I thought it'd be cool to try to get in shape and play football.
0: Did you enjoy it at that time?
1: no i liked like looking back at football i realized that there was a man named charleston fives who was my high school coach um i realized like i liked spending time with him and working out with him and talking to him and you know being mentored by him and it just happened to be he was the football coach so of course you spend that much time around the coach you're gonna get better you know
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and
1: he saw something in me that I still don't know how I saw it, uh, but I'm not a coach and I never will be. So I, I never will know. Um, but yeah, it was it was our relationship that I loved. Not necessarily the game of football.
0: Well, you get to play in the NFL at, at some point, mm-hmm. And I mean, you got to stand on the field after winning the national championship with LSU. Like I mentioned before, what was that moment like? Like, what sort of uh, emotions did you experience? Did 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 it, did it feel good? Did it feel like okay, on to the next thing? Or
1: it just felt like hmm. wow. I didn't feel like I was a part of the team. You mm-hmm. know, like I wasn't a starter. We would we would have won that game if I didn't play. Is what I'm saying. And so because of that, you don't really feel like an integral part of what just happened. You know, you feel kind of like a fan in a jersey. Yeah. Um, And it's funny because I lettered that year, but I still don't feel like I was part of, you know, and and I don't know. Different people see it differently, but that's just how I feel. You know, Mm -hmm. like I felt like. Because, I mean, you know about, like, Super Bowls and stuff. You know how people win a Super Bowl and then there'll be a practice squad player that's doing all these interviews because he's from the hometown of the city that they won the Super Bowl in. And it's like, bro, you don't even play. <laughs> that's how I felt. Okay, got and it. so, you know, I mean, once again, the internal dialogue was just like, okay. You know, like, we didn't start. We weren't an integral part of the team. This doesn't matter. Let's go get our stuff out the hotel room and go home.
0: <laughs> well, what year did you graduate? Two
1: thousand eleven. Okay, two thousand eleven.
0: So, so you went to we went on to start after that because eventually you get drafted. Mm-hmm. So you you go on to start at LSU and basically if you start at LSU, people are going to be looking at you. Yeah. <laughs> and. <laughs> I mean, and at, and at that point, is there like sort any sort of like inner conflict that it's like these folks are evaluating me to play a game that I don't enjoy? That had to have been weird.
1: Nah, I mean, I don't get me wrong. I enjoy winning, <laughs> okay. um, and you know, winning is subjective because you know, I mean, there's people who are like winning games, and then there's people. Well, every day you work hard is a win. I'm trying to win games. Yeah, I'm trying to beat people when it matters, you know? Um, So that was, I mean, that was addictive, winning, you know, even if it was just winning each play, which became me being a perfectionist because I needed to win each play, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what it was for me. Like I didn't, I don't have, I didn't have like, I don't have, I keep saying didn't, don't. Self-esteem isn't that high. Mm -hmm. So anything (laughs) I can do to have an adult saying like hey that's a good job as opposed to you know what I grew up with my parents saying hey you're an expensive kid you know like why are you why do you cost so much you eating us out of house at home like those kind of things so it felt good to be uh encouraged and supported or you know like having adults happy I mean that's what I can remember about football like it was the first time adults were actually like happy to have me around you know wow so
0: yeah yeah I mean going back to you know while we're kind of headed back there you know talking about your childhood obviously being on the spectrum that's how god created your brain mm-hmm. that's and i i can only imagine sort of the superpowers that come with that you know i talk with folks all the time that it's like that there's there's things that folks can do on, on the spectrum that i that i can't but how about, you know, as we get into, you know, the, the stuff with depression and stuff, like when did that first start surfacing in your life? Like when did you realize, okay, something's off here that, 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 that I feel? Because for me, I was in my early teenage years when I just started to feel this, this, this bottomless like abyss of depression mm-hmm. from time to time. Was that like your teenage years or?
1: No, I felt that young, young. like I never, I never really like created like a bond with like my parents and you know, your parents are supposed to be your first relationship. So it kind of hurt me creating relationships with other humans. Cause like, I didn't want to be around my own parents, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that everybody felt the way that I did. Uh, I mean, like starting at three years old, I was, uh, sexually abused. I just thought it happened to everybody. You know, I just, I thought that all the things that happened to me in the way that I felt were normal and that, Other people were just better at handling it than I was. It wasn't until 2016 when I accepted my mental health diagnosis that uh, I realized everyone doesn't have the same experience that I do. But even where I grew up, it was always like, shut up and suck it up, you know? So in my mind, I'm like, I just, I'm obviously not sucking it up good enough. Well,
0: now, there's a cultural thing there too isn't there in terms of oh, for sure yeah and
1: you're talking about the black community yeah. yeah yeah i remember my last time trying to speak about mental health stuff at a church in michigan a lot of black people at this church at the end of the service so many people came up to me and told me they were gonna pray that the demon that was inside of me would be you know like one woman said that i should get exercised you know and I just don't get me wrong, that hurts your feelings when, when it's the people that look like you that are shitting on you for coming up, you know, for coming out about your mental health things. Because the uh, Caucasian Americans and other races of people came up like, hey, that's fantastic. You know, like that kind of thing. And It's your own people that's like, hey, brother, there's well, it's something wrong with you. You know, like, there's a demon. Maybe you're crazy. I don't know, you know. I don't know how much you know about the Bible, but, like, there's this, uh, there's a, Part where Jesus exercises a man who has like hundreds of demons inside of him or something. Right. I think that's how people saw. It. That's how black people see me. Like when I say, like, oh, I have mental health issues. What they hear is, we are legion, and uh, my name is Legion because we are many. You know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh man, and I mean that's, but that's kind of you know a deeply ingrained
1: thing, right? Yeah. Well, you know where it comes from. Do tell. Nobody was asking the slaves how they were feeling from day to day. Like, no, yes. nobody was waking up. Hey, it was Jeth- Jethro, how you feeling today? <laughs> that hurts a little bit? Go ahead and take a rest. Molly, how you doing? Oh, you a little sad? All right, don't, don't even worry about it today. Nah, it was, you know, shut the fuck up and get out there. Yeah, And shut right. the fuck up and get out there, got passed down from those slaves to their kids, to their sharecropping kids, to their civil rights fighting kids, to my parents, to now me. Mm-hmm. I mean, it makes sense logically, you know, like, but people don't look at it that way. Well, what does it mean to you to see,
0: to to you yourself, the Naomi Osaka's, the Simone Biles, to, to put a face to that as a black person speaking up about the importance of mental health?
1: It's cool. Yeah. It's really cool. Um, I love, you know what I love the most? I love the fact that, like, neither of them, like, snapped and went off the deep end before this mental health conversation started. Because, right. you know, some people, they'll slap a reporter, punch a woman in the face, and, oh, I've been struggling with anxiety my whole life. And it's like, well, can you tell us before? Like, I'm not saying, <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, for most, for mo- I mean, in athletics in general, it seems to be more of a reactionary thing. Like, right. Like the right. Antonio Brown situation. Oh, my yeah. man's just crazy. Let's talk about mental health again, you know. Yeah. But it's never just, yeah. So. Well,
0: and th- that's something to unpack with Antonio Brown, because, yeah, it's been presented as an explanation for what prompted the conversation. Right. And the thing that bothers me about the Antonio Brown situation is how much he's vilified. Mm-hmm. And there's elements there of like victim blaming with the way that people approach Antonio Brown. So to me, that's an incredibly complicated conversation. For sure. Now, you know, uh, w- one of the things that I read and like the talking points for chatting with you is, is is the feeling of, you know, not fitting within the locker room. How much of that, I mean, th- there there's the obvious qu- question there of why didn't you fit? Because sports are toxic. Sports are not your love.
1: Or because I'm autistic. Yeah. Like when your brain is hardwired differently than everybody else's, almost everything you say seems to be like controversial or, You're not with the team, you know. Like I could never buy into the whole like, oh, we're a family on this team. I didn't have a regular family. Like I'm not a family with my own family. How am supposed to be family with these dudes I just met last week? You know that couldn't have been that couldn't have been too
0: much of an outlier though in in a in a locker room.
1: Oh, I was always I was the outlier. Like I was the bad teammate that didn't want to buy in. That you know those kind of things. I mean, it is what it is. Um, But yeah, you don't fit it. I mean. And this is in the NFL. This is not in high school to college. Like I read a lot. And I would read books the nights before games or in between meetings to, you know, I don't know, like I don't just want to sit around and swipe on my phone all day. Uh, <laughs> but you know, I'm reading books and I mean, I'm a grown man. I got grown men walking by me. What you reading for? Oh, look at this dude, he reading books. He think he's smart. I'm like, dog, is this high school? Like, oh, shit. Wow. is this? Am I getting teased for reading? (laughs) You know, but that was, it was just, it was always different. And I mean, yeah, it it was always different. I mean, I had had to switch out a kid's godfather behind uh, football players not getting me. There was one teammate that I thought I had built a relationship with that, you know, I thought, you know, he cared about me and understood me. But when push came to shove... I cost him a Super Bowl, even though he already had a Super Bowl ring, and that was what he was more concerned about. the fact that because I'm not mentally healthy and didn't want to be on the team anymore, they weren't able to go to the Super Bowl. And <laughs> I'm like, but you're the Godfather of my kid, you know, but obviously not anymore. Um,
0: that's a lot of that's a lot of misplaced anger, don't you think? And I guess where I'm going with this is when you think about guys in the locker room, how much of that do you think is deflection? Because these cannot be mentally healthy people walking around in locker rooms.
1: No, uh, yeah, a lot of it's deflection. I mean, yeah. w- players wise would come up to my wife's name is Brianna. Players, I was about to say her name, like you knew who she was. <laughs> players wise would come up to Brianna all the time. <laughs> How'd you get your husband to go to therapy? How'd you get your husband? And she'd always say the same thing. Like he came to me and asked me to find him a therapist. It was a, you know, it was my decision. It was she didn't hypnotize me or anything like that. Yeah. But yeah, there's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of toxic everything. There's a lot of toxic relationships going on in that locker room. I mean, objectively speaking, there are people in that locker room that are married to people that they shouldn't even be dating. Mm -hmm. You know, there's people in the locker room that are on the down low and don't want nobody to find out that they're gay. You know, there's, there's a bunch of people in the locker room. And you're right, because there's no like real conversations or dialogues outside of first down through fourth down it just become it just festers and becomes like animosity and it creates walls instead of doors
0: yeah well and you uh you when did you des- decide to leave the NFL because you you were playing in 2015
1: right mhm i left at the end of the 2018 season
0: okay I mean, what you're doing now is, you know, you're breaking that cycle. Like we talked about you and you and again, I'll go back to him because they're the they're the high profile names the you know, Naomi and Simone breaking mm-hmm. the cycle. And I mean, that's what it takes. You know, you, you talk about a gay player and and that that dynamic in the locker room. Mm-hmm. I, I, of course, we think of Carl Nassib, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And it's to me for his teammates to step up and express love and support is huge to me i need the quarterback doing that i need the coach doing that i i need you like i want the high profile people doing that so we can actually break the cycle
1: i want people to stop flying confederate flags at football games so we can break that cycle
0: <laughs> well come okay. on now not now you're asking too much joe
1: i feel like you're asking too much
0: yeah that's fair
1: maybe maybe the quarterback doesn't feel that way maybe the gym the people that you need to say something maybe they don't feel that way.
0: So are you able to just let that go? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're a, you're a bigger person than I am. You're a bigger. Well, no.
1: Nah. <laughs> I mean, you do what you can, like, <laughs> I know what it's like to sit around and, and like, let those thoughts fester over things that, you know, that you can't change yeah. or that you can't a hundred percent change. So I, I do what I can, you know, um, I try to have conversations when I can with people. Um, you know, I always try to see the best in people before they, at least before they show me their worst. Mm-hmm. uh, but I do what I can.
0: Yeah. When did you get involved with the, uh, professional athletes foundation through the NFLPA?
1: uh, right after I retired. Yeah. Yeah.
0: What, I mean, what was it like emotionally or in terms of the relief level when you decided to walk away from the game?
1: It was hard. Because I had to kill a lot of, I mean, I had to legitimately turn around and murder a lot of dreams before I walked out of that football door. I mean, you know, me and Fives, me and Coach Fives, he was the high school coach I was telling you about earlier. We used to talk about like, you know, going to the playoffs, going to the Pro Bowl, making it to the Hall of Fame, winning Super Bowls, all that kind of thing. None of those things would happen. Like, so football in my mind, had already taken fives away from me cuz he died during the seat during one of the seasons I was playing. Mm-hmm. Then I had to kill the dreams that I had built while he was alive too, and that felt like kind of cutting off some of the last parts of him that were alive.
2: Mm.
1: You know as you can imagine. Um it hurt. I mean, shit, I watched the Super Bowl a couple weeks ago. It still hurts. You yeah. Know? I and I don't watch sports. But I remember, and I actually, I have a, uh, i I'm starting a podcast, and this was like on the second episode that I talked about it. Like, I hadn't, I told myself when I was playing football, I wouldn't watch Super Bowl till I played in one. Clearly that didn't happen. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so we did watch the Super Bowl. I decided to watch it with my wife. I thought it was going to be cool. It was terrible. Like, mm. from the moment it came on, they, you know, it was just if, I felt like I was at the morgue identifying dead bodies. Like, Hey, here's your Pro Bowl dream. You know, like, here's something, you know, they had to, you know, here's the Hall of Fame induction class for this year. You'll never have that. Here's the Pro Bowl team. You'll never have that. Here's the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award. You'll never have that. Here's two teams that have made it into the playoffs, and now they're playing in the Super Bowl. It'll never happen for you. Yeah. And the voice in the back of my head is like, you know, you know, it'll never happen for you. It'll never happen for you because you're a failure, you know, like, because – you were an idiot and decided to go leave football to go do art you stupid stupid man wow but yeah like that's that's the internal dialogue you know like i'm sure fives is up in, you know i'm sure fives is flipping over in his grave that you decided to turn down you know the glory of football for you know the obscurity of what you're doing
0: yeah but he he was so formative in your life he connected you with us as a person are you able to flip that script on its head and and be like, no, wait, he's got to be happy for me and proud of me for being honest with myself and chasing a dream that actually serves me?
1: Not today. No. <laughs> I'm sure it will be that way one day. But I mean, you know, I'm all about honesty and that kind of thing. Like, I appreciate that. You're You're
0: waiting for that gold record to be on the wall. Then maybe. Then maybe.
1: No, we need a couple of platinum records. We need some world tours. I need people to be, I'm serious. Like I need, I want, I'm dead serious. Like I, I that is why I quit football. I quit mm-hmm. football in order to become a rock and roll hall of famer.
0: Do you think it's more about success or adoration? Because I'm going through this whole thing where I'm coming to terms with the fact that if I'm not adored, whatever I accomplish feels hollow.
1: No, success. I. I I just want to be, I want to be effective. Um, And I realized the way that I'm effective is by being vulnerable. So more than anything, I just want to, I see that as success, Um, you know, someone leaves a show like, oh, those are some good songs. I feel hopeful about whatever, even if it's just the next 10 minutes, Mm -hmm. you know, that's success to me, making connections with people and letting them know that they're not alone. I mean.
0: This is so interesting, though, because we're talking about two different metrics of success: a platinum mm. album versus hearing from hundreds upon hundreds of people who said, "Look, I feel seen because of you." Well,
1: that's how I feel about Kanye West and Kid Cudi, among other artists, and they have platinum albums. So why can't you have both?
0: Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah, that's how I see it. Like I, but it's hard, you know, when you left your, you know, when you left football and all that. That is to you know, COVID happened right after I retired. And so I left football to pursue my music dream when in actuality I left football to sit at home for two years.
2: Mm,
0: Yeah.
1: And you beat yourself up about that too. Like bro, you could have been playing football with this music schedule. What are you doing? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like it's- But is there
0: some relief in there of getting out of that toxic situation? Was it a mixed bag at all or or do the feelings- I mean, this
1: situation is pretty toxic.
0: You you hanging out with me?
1: No. us being together is toxic. I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen, that's all we got time for today. (laughs) Hey, hey. (laughs) (laughs) No, but like me sitting at home alone in this room for 15, 16 hours a day is toxic. Yeah. You know, like me constantly beating myself up about things that I can't control is toxic.
0: You can't get away from that.
1: Uh, No. And I know some of it is like, some of it comes from childhood and some of it is, something that i've learned to do to myself it's not good it's not healthy i don't want anybody to think it is because you know you start talking about this kind of stuff and people are like oh so if i just hate myself more my art will get better no 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 no.
2: <laughs> i'm just
1: trying to be i'm just trying to be you know more open and honest about how i feel for the other people that do feel that way but don't feel like they can talk about it or the people who feel that way they can't talk about it because there are people like me who can't speak
0: yeah well, I mean, the, the, this this is an unfair comparison when you're talking about the being miserable or self-loathing makes your art better. Like, I don't know how, I don't know how much you know about this podcast, but we deal with mental health a lot. We also deal with addiction and recovery. Like I, mm. I'm coming up on three years of sobriety and there's this. Congratulations. Mis- Cheers, brother. I appreciate that. Um, there's also this misperception. Like you look at Trent Reznor of Nine Inch Nails and it's like, well, that early Nine Inch Nails stuff was Terrific because it was the the train careening off the tracks just holding on because of all the drug abuse. And we talk about the Rolling Stones. We talk about the the career arc of the Beatles of of their catalog. So there's I think there's oftentimes this misperception that like chaos is attached to brilliance.
1: I agree. Yeah. And it's bad because I know (laughs) as you said that I'm like it's bad because I know I perpetuate that.
0: hey you know same team same team i agree and i look at like my my consuming habits and i'm drawn to those artists don't get me wrong i'm drawn to that early catalog of nine inch nails and 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 a lot of the modern stuff like for me elliot smith is one of my heroes i don't know if you know elliot at all
1: not personally but i know elliot.
0: <laughs> right 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 <laughs> and i mean he's one of my heroes because of the very realistic uh like assessment of his music speaks to me and his vulnerability speaks to me, his ability to 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 turn a passing chord into an expression of you know, self-loathing or loneliness. That that ability in order to take a sonic space and make it an expression of an internal struggle to me, I feel that connection. Like I I gravitate toward that. So yeah, we perpetuate it.
1: Oh, no, I'm talking about I perpetuated myself like someone will see me do something like amazing and then like, oh, man, this dude just threw his iPad at the wall because he couldn't coordinate a rehearsal with the rest of his band like, Mm. you know, what I mean, like Mm. stuff like that, like, man, you know, this this music sounds fantastic. Oh, here's this dude is again on social media asking someone to kill him, Mm. Mm. you know. Uh, even the stuff that I've said in this interview, like, ah, OK, I knew there was I knew there was more in the pain bank, but <laughs> I use pain differently. I use it as a way to relate. I don't use it as fuel. I use it as uh, a way to relate to people because we've all experienced pain. Everybody hasn't won the lottery. Everybody hasn't gotten molested. Everybody, But everyone's been in pain in some shape or form. And that's how I approach it with my art.
0: All right, it's time to hear about some great things that are happening with some partners of 40,000 Steps Radio. I learned in rehab at Gateway Foundation that being an alcoholic didn't make me a bad person. It made me a sick person and no different than someone with cancer or diabetes. And during my time at Gateway, I started finally getting healthy again. Folks, we're living through stressful, unprecedented times, and the temptation to turn to alcohol and drugs to cope with that stress and anxiety, it's stronger now than ever before. Stop using now before it's too late. Gateway Foundation is here for you and your family with life-saving inpatient, as well as virtual programs, so you can access the help you need from the privacy of your home. Don't wait to get the help you or a loved one needs. Most insurance plans are accepted. Call Gateway Foundation now at 877-505-HOPE. That's 877-505-4673 to schedule a free confidential consultation, or you can visit gatewayfoundation.org and get the help that you need today. You know, I'm an anxious person. Well, I'm really worried about my good friend, Mother Earth. And that's why I love Bamboo Works. Bamboo Works creates stylish, sustainably made, high quality sports apparel. Headbands, wristbands, gaiters, beanies, even performance masks. The wristbands, they've got this pocket where you can put your ID or frozen gel packs. Bamboo Works does more than athletic apparel. You gotta check out their amazing trucker hat. It's got that rubber enclosure, So if you're like me and you like to flip the cap around, it's not gonna leave that annoying dent in your forehead. Bamboo Works sources its product materials in eco-friendly, sustainable manner. This goes beyond the apparel. They're focused on sustainability when it comes to production and their packaging. We're all trying to do our part to take care of the planet, but shouldn't we look good doing it? That's where Bamboo Works comes in. Visit BambooWorks.com, that's B-A-M-B-U-W-E-R-X.com to learn more, or head to 40,000steps.com to check out BambooWorks' exclusive line of 40,000 Steps gear. BambooWorks, skin-friendly, earth-safe, it's apparel for today's active lifestyle. Folks, if you or someone you love might have an issue with drinking, drugs, mental illness, or anger management, it's time to get in touch with my friends at DUI and Behavioral Health Counseling Centers here in Northern Illinois. It's time to set up an assessment. You've got nothing to lose. Depending on your situation, the assessment could be free. My friend Ron Parch and his team use their 25 years of experience to build an individualized treatment plan that's confidential and effective. They approach people in distress with respect, and I cannot stress enough how important that is, to feel respected when you're going through something. DUI and Behavioral Health Counseling Centers has offices in Sycamore, Plano, and Crystal Lake. Check out duisycamore.com, or call 815-895-9000 and set up an evaluation today. Write this down, folks. Call 815-895-9000, visit duisycamore.com, or you can email duibhs at gmail.com. And back to our conversation. Well, now don't duck out of the interview because of this confession, but this is not this is not <laughs> this is not armchair expert with Dak Shepard, where it has that wide audience space. I don't have Kirsten Be- or Kristen Bell on on my podcast, not yet. So this is a this is a very safe space where that pain resonates with people. So it's a safe space in order for you to connect with people, an effective place for you to show that vulnerability. And that's where I, I mean, here, let's let's just let's keep digging. I mean, can I ask you about because I've had a number of people who have been on the podcast who I've heard from in terms of that success of hearing people who have been in a very dark place and ha- and have had experience with suicide attempts, suicidal ideations. Um, I, I know that's that's part of your part of your story too, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I think about killing myself all the time. I <laughs> that's how much I do it, that it's funny now. But uh, <laughs> I do think about killing myself all the time. I mean, every morning that I wake up, I'm like, I guess I'm awake again. Like, mm. you know, but I have come to the place in my life that I realize if I do kill myself, that's me giving up on God, not myself. I can't do that, mm. but it's a struggle every day, like every day, mm-hmm. multiple times a day. It's a hobby. Like I'm pretty <laughs> sure today I would think about it. Like, was it nine thirty where I am? I'll probably think about it twelve times today.
0: What's the most effective solution to that course of action? Is it the music? Is it is it talking to Brianna? Uh,
1: it's me telling myself I'm not a quitter. Mm. you know because i mean i'll be honest with you like people talk about suicide is the most selfish thing you can do i disagree i think the most selfish thing you could do is try to convince someone that's suicidal to stay alive just to disappear from their life when they need you most right that's the most selfish thing you can do yeah like i i can't sit here and i mean I'm just saying, like, I get it. I'm not sitting here saying that, like, everyone should go kill themselves and all that. But at the same time, I, I'm not surprised when I hear about a suicide. Like, there are aspects of living that fucking suck. Mm-hmm. You know, we just talked about it. There's so much pain in life. And, you know, you can't be mad at someone for not wanting to wake up and be in pain. Mm-hmm. You know,
0: I recently saw a screening of a documentary called The S Word. You ever hear of that? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. How and what does it do for you when you hear other people being open and honest about their experiences with suicide attempts, suicidal ideations and such? Does I mean, is that is that helpful that, that we're normalizing the conversation a bit?
1: I think so. Yeah, I think the only because uh, the only time people really talk about suicide is at the wrong time. Mm-hmm. That's after it happens. Yeah, you know, what I mean? yeah,
0: we're we're right back in it being a reaction.
1: Yeah. And then no, and then because you're reacting to it, well, let's hurry up and get away from this feeling and then you associate you know the feelings with the words and we just lock it all away in a box and we don't talk about it until someone kills themselves again.
2: Mm.
1: You know. I know uh, I know that you are, <laughs> you are so self-aware and
0: I know that 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 you pointed out before that we're spending a lot of time you know, talking about pain and talking about struggle and stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. I I will be the conversational sherpa for a moment and guide okay. us and guide us to a place where I mean, what about when you're playing a show? And I mean, you, you recently played South by Southwest, didn't you?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And you're getting into comedy. You're getting on stage. And you said before, like, if, if we can laugh about suicide, if we can laugh about you know these these heavy yeah, things. You,
1: you can say autism. I crack jokes about I crack jokes about being autistic.
0: Oh, I wasn't going to, but absolutely. Oh, A- ab- no, ab- absolutely. <laughs> I mean, are are you?
1: Yeah.
0: Is it helpful? Are you are are you enjoying? I guess
1: it's the it's the. I would say being on stage and like being around my kids and my family
2: mm-hmm.
1: are the two only times that I'm able to like you know, be in the moment. And I mean, it's the few times I don't think about killing myself, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, for different reasons. I mean, you know, I I love my kids. I love my wife. I love my dogs. You know, we have a special relationship. And then from the stage standpoint, people understand you. They understand what you're trying to say. You know, they may not understand it if you're talking to them about it in conversation, but for whatever reason, they understand the song or the joke. Mm -hmm
0: um well like i did it oh go ahead no that's that that's that elliot smith skill that that's that i alluded to before and i should just call it the elliot smith effect but that that's that's the talent of being able to put music to that and create that deep connection i think that's where you connect with your crowd and and that's where it's interesting that your voice is just now coming to the front where like you have connected with people on a deep level with the instrumentation
1: I was trying to be insidious that way and i have music that came out before with me singing mm-hmm. um like i have an album or a project called electric soul mm-hmm. uh that and song it's got some... that
0: song black magic is fantastic
1: thank you yeah and i was about to say there's that one sincerely and I knew that I wasn't singing the songs like the way that I wanted to, I was singing them the way that I thought people wanted to hear them for some of those, you know, I was being someone that I thought people wanted me to be.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I'd realized like the more that I'm just myself, the more that people gravitate to what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I took that, you know, those projects, the, the, I pretty much was a producer you know, uh, all of last year in terms of the music that I dropped, which was great because you also get to showcase that, yeah, I'm a producer too. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, now that I've kind of, you know, set the, I would say musical foundation, I'm comfortable. Not, I'm not saying I'm comfortable singing again because I never stopped singing, but I'm comfortable, you know, releasing these songs and releasing this album that's coming out later on this year because I feel like there's enough of... Uh, There's enough of groundwork to be laid for the story to have significance.
0: You feel like you're changing at all in that way? Like this is some sort of metamorphosis too?
1: Oh, for sure. Like when I first, when I was making Electric Soul, uh, and that's back when I was playing football, I was doing it purely for like the glory. I wanted to be like a rock star. I wanted to be, you know, that kind of thing. Like, you know, I just wanted to be known as a guitar player, all that now i've evolved into singer songwriter i mean pretty much singer cuz like when i play you know if i'm playing by myself people are going to remember the singing not the guitar playing right but now i'm like a legitimate artist you know like a, like Kanye West or somebody you know I, I can produce myself i write my i can write myself i can play the instruments myself um so yeah, I've definitely changed and my motivations have changed too. Mm. You know.
0: I, I uh yeah, I think we we got into that before. Yeah. Um like when I confess that I'm way too obsessed with adoration, that 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 was you.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was me.
0: That was something you wanted on your business card. You can have For sure. yeah.
1: Yeah, like Joe Barksdale, people fall at his feet. Yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I know we're time hopping a little bit, but I wanted to get into this for a moment. Going back to the, the sports thing, you mm-hmm. you struck up a relationship with Kobe Bryant.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, how? Yeah.
0: How'd that come to be?
1: Uh, he came and spoke to us. He came and spoke to the team. Um,
0: when you're with the Chargers, or
1: when I was with the Chargers. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, he came and spoke to the team when I was with the Chargers, and. Uh, I walked up to him after he was done talking. Like, hey, man, you know, I'm uh, interested in learning what I can from you. I don't have a mentor. I'm, you know, looking for whatever help I can get. And he was like, come to my office on your next off day. And I went to his office on his next off day. And it's weird because I don't, it was like meeting myself. I don't know how to explain that. But like things, it was, I remember sitting in a chair in his office and thinking like, wow, this, this guy gets it. You know what i mean like this dude gets it and he he's helped me so much like as an artist and as a like even with all this like you know be yourself and talk about what you want to talk about like that came from him you know um being I, i got so much parenting advice from him too you know being a dad of uh girls um i never I never really talk about it because I don't want to seem like one of those grave chasers or clout chasers. That's like, oh, you know, Kobe died. Rest in peace. Here's a picture we took back in 2006. Yeah. Or, you know what I'm saying? I do. I um, I
0: do. But th- this is this is cool. This is a very cool window for me, as mm-hmm. as a sports fan and as a fan of human beings, and as somebody who has like a, 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 a an in, insatiable curiosity to be curiosity about people, especially people who are bigger than life. I mean, what I love about this is you identified with Kobe on a deep level that, that the average consumer did not. And, no. you, and you, you, you found out how this guy, you know, ticked. Whereas I think that the deepest that a lot of people would go with Kobe Bryant is just the fact that he was a straight killer on the basketball court, that his, his, his compete level was, was off the charts. Mm-hmm. whereas we're t- you got into the why a little bit it sounds like
1: a lot of it yeah and like the you know uh the artist mm. <laughs> like I you know I never met Kobe Bryant the basketball player I met Kobe Bryant the artist mm. Kobe didn't even give a damn about my sports stats when I was running into him you know I'm like I I ABC and he was just looking like all right well I guess here's another dude trying to say that he has the Mamba mentality. I don't know what he was thinking, but it was just, you know, I've heard this before. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, you know, I also play guitar and I make music. Oh, oh ha- have a seat.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, But yeah, like he was he was my first artistic mentor.
0: Forgive me. I'm going to I'm going to ask you what uh, what was the name of your high school coach again?
1: Uh, Charleston Fobbs. Fobbs. Mm hmm.
0: I mean, you're still grieving
1: fobs. How,
0: how does that compare to having that deep connection with Kobe Bryant, which probably felt like it was just a minute in time? Like
1: It felt like it again. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, here's someone else you're building a relationship with that seems to understand you. And this is cool. You get a lot of great advice. Boom. Same thing. Yeah. Like you wake up one morning and they're dead.
0: Well, I'm really sorry for your losses.
1: Oh, it's, no, it's it's, it's it's part, I appreciate that, but, you know, it's, it's part of the journey.
0: What about now? Who are, who are the greatest mentors in your life at this juncture? And there are none is an acceptable answer, right?
1: Yeah, I don't have any.
0: Yeah. Have you found an opportunity to be that to others?
1: Yeah. In a small ways, but yeah.
0: Well, and I think that on more of a, A wider scale. I don't know. Maybe I'm attaching too much significance to this, but with your music and with connecting with people, that that's that's almost a form of mentorship.
1: Maybe. (laughs) No, no, no. As you said, that I was like maybe. I mean, because like I had a dream last night that, and I usually don't have dreams. I had a dream last night that I met Kanye West, and like for the first twenty minutes, I was just talking to him about how like. Cause I've been following Kanye since that genius documentary started. Like whatever that time was around when they started recording that's when I found out about Kanye too. Mm-hmm. And seeing somebody who, I mean, his you know, him and his style of music and all that didn't exist before he did. You know, and I talk about it in the uh, in the Omari album. Like, you know, I loved rap but I wasn't shooting guns and selling drugs. You know, I was going to school. Mm-hmm. Here's Kanye. Oh, College Dropout. Oh, this is. Oh, and this is super soulful too. You know, it was. It changed my life. Yeah. You know, and that was some stuff I was telling him. Like your first album changed my life. I love your music. You know, I understand what it's like to be mentally ill. I don't want nothing from you. Just wanted to say that. And then you know, started walking away, and he started talking back, and we ended up like, you know, we. <laughs> We ended up you know having a long conversation and i remember thinking to myself like i should get a picture i don't have a picture of myself <laughs> with coach fives i don't have a picture of myself with kobe i should get a picture and then i woke up you're like my
2: wife
0: and that you don't dream but when you do holy that it, it, it's it's like uh
1: it, it's like a script like there are- it was one of the, it was one of the greatest dreams of my life i'm not gonna lie to you like i i, I love kanye like i love kanye and i mean I love Kanye. Like, I I do. And he's a huge music influence on me. And he, obviously, we have a lot of things in common. You know, obviously, you don't agree with everything anyone does. But, like, Kanye was the person. If if somebody called me right now and was like, hey, you know, Kanye's in in Ku Klux Klan territory. He's trying to record an album. He wants you on it. I'm there. (laughs) it may be the last thing I do, but I'm there. You know? (laughs) You must have been really
0: pissed off when you woke up this morning and realized it was just a dream.
1: No, I was the same. I always am. I was just sad. Like, just-, <laughs> just another day in the life, man. Yeah, we just woke up and was like, this is why we hate waking up. See, this, just that bullshit. <laughs> but. I mean, like I was, I thought it was a reach
0: before perhaps with the, the music mentorship and what, what connection with a song can do, but that's, that's proof in the pudding that Kanye's music did that for you. It still
1: does. Yeah. Like, and I'm, and I'm not sitting here saying like, Oh, I, Donda two is a classic. I'm not saying that, <laughs> but I'm saying that like, I, I mean, my ringtone is, I wonder, mm. you know, I listen to last call whenever I think about quitting last call was the album on his was a song on his first album. Um, about just you know his story up until then how he got signed to rockefeller
2: Mm.
1: i mean genius greatly inspired me uh genius also made my phones blow up because there were like so many people calling me like bro i feel like i feel like i'm watching you you know (laughs) granted by the third episode no one said that (laughs) (laughs) right All, all of a sudden the relatability was gone right until the mental health stuff came back, then they started calling again. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, no, still you, that's my bad that's my bad like, just a different illness but, um, but there are things that like Kanye West said in that documentary that like I've said to friends of mine before this documentary was even announced and you know they called me back and we talk about that we talk about uh I mean yeah he's a, he's he's in my DNA is what I'm saying because like I You can even hear, there's a song that I dropped last year called Red Lipstick. There's a song that was on Donda last year called Believe What I Say. Very similar drum pattern. And they were both released the same year, so it's not like I stole it from them or anything like that. But I was so excited about that because I'm like, cool.
0: That's that's, that's some cosmic stuff.
1: Yeah, I love Kanye West. Kanye, if you listening to this, I, I I love you, bro. Like you know, some people are like, oh, you know, I like my man. Like, oh, I fuck with that. And like, I, I love, Kanye. <laughs> like, I, I I really do. And I mean, I I see him for who he is. You know, a human being.
0: Yeah. Well, we we keep talking about releases, singles that you've put out. When is the new album going to drop?
1: It's coming out in uh, Q Q three. Okay. It's like the the summer. Okay. Yeah, it's coming out in the summer. That's
0: cool. Uh, and mm-hmm. then uh, obviously, it's and there'll
1: be play. more singles before that too.
0: I'm sure. And yeah. and of course, it's going to hit all streaming services everywhere that everywhere people listen.
1: Everywhere except Spotify, Apple Music, and YouTube. I'm just playing.
0: Uh, I, 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 I was going to say, <laughs> Do you want people to listen is, to this? I was going to say, is this a Joe Rogan thing? Is it...
1: <laughs> no. Is... Actually, no. I'm dropping the Joe Barksdale stem player. It's only a hundred dollars, though. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, what a what a and gonna press it on vinyl obviously too
1: yeah yeah there's gonna be some vinyls available as well nice that's cool yeah it's a the cool that was an easy decision because you know people don't use cds really anymore so
0: yeah now uh how do you feel about your back catalog as we direct people to go back and listen to your stuff should they press play from the beginning or what
1: yeah for sure it tells a story um not only press play from the beginning, if you want to listen to a project and ask me about it, like there's an album called R&Beats that I dropped in 2020 that came after a nervous breakdown.
0: I, I admit I haven't listened to that yet. I listened to the 52-week oh. project, but not that yet.
1: Oh, well, there you go. But yeah, that's uh, that album is sonically me working my way back to some form of normalcy mentally. Mm. It took about four or five days to make.
0: Well, you've got avalanches on your list, and now I I got avalanches. And now I got R and Beats. Another artist I think you might dig is Have you heard of Bartis Strange at all yet? Nope, I'm writing it down. B a r t i s. Uh, a B a r t e e s. E e s. Strange. Strange. Yeah, he's uh. I born and raised Oklahoma. And like when I when I started listening to your stuff, I thought of him because of like the genre bending stuff like there's hip hop in there. There's there's rockabilly in there. Um, I saw him at the Pitchfork. I saw him at Pitchfork Festival this past summer and I admit I totally fanboy out still when it's an artist who I absolutely love. So I'm like right there, like next to the sound booth, like right in front of the sound booth in the center, like holding up his damn album <laughs> in between, in between songs. I was like, I yelled at one point, I yelled, I fucking love you, Barties And he looked, he looked panicked. <laughs> But he's like, I love you too,
1: fam. Until <laughs> right write the next song. Well, you know, sometimes that I love you is followed by a gunshot. Just, right, right. I love you, Barty. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody else can have you.
0: I, I should have prefaced it. Barty, I'm in a very good place and I love you. There you go. Because,
1: you know, some people are like, I love you. I want you to come to hell with me. Like, what? <laughs> oh. Oh, shit. Um. Well, oh, hey,
0: you're 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 helping break that cycle. You're seeing others, you know, break that cycle. You're connecting with people, with your you're connecting with people with your music. Are you, are you? Is it getting easier? Does does any of this stuff kind of make it easier to get out of bed in the morning? Is it helping drive you into the studio and write?
1: No. Cool. Yeah, but I still do it. <laughs> no, it doesn't make it any easier, but. Um, I do love to do it. I don't know. I know that sentence doesn't make sense, but yeah, it doesn't make it any easier, but I love to do it.
0: That's what I love about you, and that's what I loved about this conversation is the no bullshit
1: you are- yeah, I don't got time <laughs> Nobody has time. No, I mean, you're talking about an hour long podcast. Do you want to listen to an hour long podcast of someone actually like having a conversation of substance or do you want to listen to hour long podcast of 45 minutes of bullshitting around yeah. and then 10 minutes of trauma and then five minutes of, you know, outro. You tell me you don't like small talk. I hate it. Repulsed by a small I talk. I hate it. And I don't know if it's the autism. I think I think it's the autism. I'm not sure, but I'm like this is ridiculous cuz small talk is so stupid. It's inconsequential. It's a waste of time. We're going to get to something else anyway. Let's go there now. You know, "Hey, how's it going? What do you do for a living?" "Oh, I'm a musician and an artist." So what are your three deep, you know, what are your three biggest fears?" Or like, you know, <laughs> those kind of things. <laughs> You know, hey, how's it going? I'm doing good, man. So do you believe in God, monotheism? You know, what is this? What's going on? What are your religious beliefs? Where do you think you're going to go when you die? Yeah. Those kind of things. The rest of this doesn't matter. You're not going to be on your deathbed thinking about the 97 (laughs) Raiders, Like, you know what I'm saying? You're going to be on your deathbed thinking about the things that really matter to you. So why not talk about those things? Well, I appreciate that, man. That's I, I feel like that's exactly what we've done here. So Yeah. Hey,
0: man, it's been a pleasure, all right?
1: Oh, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. The pleasure is all mine. That's cliche. It, uh, it's been a pleasure for me also. <laughs> <coughs>
0: all right, let's do it again soon. For sure. Right. Yeah. Take care. All, all right, time. have a good one. Cheers. Cheers. You too. See ya. Peace. All right, gang. So it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to laugh about not being okay. It's normal that you're not okay normalizing these conversations is so crucial and I can't thank Joe Barksdale enough for joining me and doing exactly that we can continue these conversations you can catch up with me on Instagram live at 11 o'clock central standard time every Tuesday morning until I meet you there or here or elsewhere just remember folks that if it feels like things are falling apart outside of this space right here we are always coming together fucking love you you know that right Catch you soon. Peace. We out.